Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, December 27th, 2021. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going? Very good, Graham. Merry Christmas. Yeah, this is a belated Merry Christmas to you, I guess, um, although we're recording this <laughs> a couple days before, so it's very strange, but this is airing a couple days after Christmas. So yeah, I hope I hope that everything goes well with Christmas, and I hope that all of our listeners had a happy holiday if they celebrated, and obviously folks are looking forward to the new year um, and New Year's Eve celebrations, perhaps a bit subdued with, with COVID and stuff, but we'll see how that all plays out. Um, but, but yeah, so is there anything that you're like hoping to get for Christmas since we are recording this right before Christmas? Um, anything? I'm, well, I'm hoping to get rid of the cold that I've had. Oh, and then no. obviously, if you've got a bit of a cold, you can't go to the pub because if you start coughing in a pub... <laughs> Yeah, all hell breaks loose. So yeah. even if I've got a negative test, which, you know, I've tested, I've a negative test, I'm just not allowed to go to the pub. Yeah, no, there's the people give you the death stare, yeah. you know, it's like, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, well, I hope that, you know, everything works out well for Christmas and that, yeah, that you, you know, um, enter this next week with, with better health. Um, what's been going on on the NBA front? Because I know it's kind of quiet, right? I mean, this is, they're not decisions or anything. I think most of the admissions folks are now, um, you know, thoroughly in vacation mode for the holidays. But what what are candidates doing? Yeah, fair play to to the adcom. It's definitely break week now. Um, after, after sort of getting all those decisions out that we saw over the last several weeks, um, so our candidates are, are, are clearly sort of weighing their opportunities um, that they have, um, and we're seeing quite a lot of that now on decision wire in terms of folks sort of using decision wire to express, you know. Where, where they have offers and and sort of debating some of those offers, that's always quite entertaining, actually. And like we did last week, we'll we'll have one of those on on this this podcast. Um, and um, obviously, the other side of it, Graham, is round two is just around the corner. So as soon as that new year hits, um, the second round deadlines come in like droves. Yeah. So 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 those folks that are targeting round two and some of those folks will be the folks from round one that are, that are refocusing their their their, their, their thoughts now. Um, yeah, they'll, they'll be working hard over this holiday period. Yeah, I would almost say if you're applying in round two, t- turn this off. Go work on your essays, you know. Get, <laughs> um, get, get ready for those round two deadlines because they're coming fast and furious. Although, in all honesty, hopefully we'll offer up a couple of gems of, of knowledge on the admissions side that will make it worth, um, you know, the 30 minutes of procrastination. Um, but but yeah, this is an interesting time. And I do love seeing the decision wire entries, mostly because, you know, we talk a little bit about rankings and tiers and things, but I always think that, you know, where you choose to go is a very personal decision. And that as, as you know, our listeners know from some of the past episodes, it really depends, you know, on someone's goals and you can't, only use like rankings to drive your decision making. So yeah, and we'll get into it on this episode, but uh, I always look forward to this time of year. And and I do think, yeah, there's going to be a lot of work ahead for those looking at round two. So buckle down, get it done. Uh, Over on the website, Alex, we did a couple more Real Humans. We uh, did one with a bunch of students from Dartmouth's Tuck School. And then also over at Minnesota, University of Minnesota's Carlson School of Management, 
And those are always good fun to read. And then I have some more fun facts and figures from employment reports. And so the first one I wanted to share is from Harvard Business School, where they released all their numbers. And so we profiled that on our website. And you can read the whole article. But um, what you you know the headline sort of figures are $150,000 starting salary, um, an, an average bonus, a signing bonus of $30,000. 96 percent of the class had offers within three months of graduation um, for employment, and I've got some of the breakdown on you know even sort of the fields that they're going into, right? So and we've done this with some other schools too, um, but for financial services, which led the way at Harvard, thirty five percent of the class headed in that direction. And remember that includes investment banking and the usual stuff, but also um, private equity, hedge funds, venture capital. So that's thirty five percent. Another 23% went into consulting, uh, 19% into tech, 6% into healthcare. And I thought that was interesting because we don't often see that as a, um, a big one for most schools. So 6% in healthcare and then 4% into manufacturing. Um, so the tail end of HBS's list of industries is a little different um, than some of the other schools that we've profiled. And I should also mention that 64 grads or roughly, I wanna say maybe 7% of the class uh, ended up uh, leaving to, to found a business. So they graduated and went off and started a company. And there's another handful of grads, about 14 or so, who are doing social impact work via the Leadership Fellows Program at Harvard, which I believe provides funding you know, for people who want to go off and do social impact type work. Um, Alex, do you want to take some guesses on, <laughs> on the, uh, the regional placements? I mean, I, I, I think I previewed some of this for you before we got on air, but, you know, we, we always look at like where people land. And so, you know, I just think it's interesting, you know, 49% of the class landed in the Northeast. Um, and that's out of Harvard, which is a school that we would argue is incredibly mobile and, and, you know, all around the world, but still 49% landing in the Northeast, uh, 22% went out West. 5% Mid-Atlantic, 4% Midwest, 3% Southwest, and 3% in the South. So do you have any thoughts on this, Alex? Any of those numbers jump out at you? Or what, what are you thinking when you hear this? I'm going to fo just focus on one number, Graham. Yeah. And that was the first number. So you didn't really need to go through all the rest. It's all quite interesting, <laughs> I suppose. But this 150,000 average starting salary, yeah. where does that rank Harvard versus other top programs. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, that was a number that did jump out at me because I don't know if our listeners recall, but we talked about NYU Stern's numbers a couple weeks ago and they're at 155. Um, and I'm about to share some numbers for Tuck and they're at 150 as well. So Harvard's not, you know, they're not sort of leading the way with the overall compensation figure, uh, you know, but I mean, not the end of the world, obviously. And I think some of that may be colored by the fact that people are doing perhaps a broader range of things coming out of these programs and maybe a little less of the, you know, typical eye banking and consulting jobs, a little more healthcare, you know, manufacturing, as I said. So, but yeah, so they're not at the top of the heap um, with starting salary. Although, you know, it'd be interesting to know, like what about five years out or 10 years out? <laughs> yeah. The numbers may look different then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, turning our attention to Tuck, as I said, they also have 150K starting salary, 30K signing bonus, so identical to Harvard, and 97% of their class had offers within three months. Um, the other thing is that, you know, when we look at the fields that people go into, only 23% from Tuck went into financial services, whereas 36% went into consulting, um, and Tech, 15%, healthcare, 13%. 
and then um, consumer packaged goods, 5%. So Tuck's a little different, you know, a lot more consulting. Um, they almost flip-flop with HBS on the kind of consulting versus financial services numbers and a big healthcare number, which was a little surprising to me. I know Tuck has a, or Dartmouth has a medical school and they do some work with the MBA program and things, but it's just interesting because I don't think of them necessarily as a powerhouse for healthcare. Although Boston being a, you know, kind of a, uh, you know, a, a hub for biotech that might be driving some of that too. So I don't know. Yeah. Interesting though, to see all these numbers come out. No, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, you, you, all these numbers are super impressive, Graham. I, I definitely, um, uh, yeah, they're making way more money than I'll ever dream of making. And this is their <laughs> first year out of MBA, but massive props. Yeah. 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 So, and then the last thing I wanted to mention about Tuck before we move on is that um, like HBS, there's a big concentration in the Northeast. So 53% landed in the Northeast, but also some strength on the West coast with 20% going out West. So, um, and then the rest is sort of scattered around, but yeah, so we still see that geographic pull that we always emphasize. And we, we talk with people about when they're deciding where to, you know, how to pick a school and things. So um, interesting stuff. Uh, other housekeeping items. We got an email, Alex, that I wanted to read to you and that I shared with the team. I'm sure you saw it. Um, we got this really nice email from someone who just wrote, you know, hello, hope you are well and staying safe. I wanted to reach out and thank you for reviewing my profile a few months back when I posted about my desire to apply to business school. I had a 760 on my GMAT and was planning to apply to a few schools at the time. I applied to Booth and LBS and was lucky to get into both. Thank you so much for your help. So, um, and I won't, I won't reveal the user, <laughs> the, the community member's name, but I just thought it was really sweet to get it, just a simple email like that to, to know that we're, you know, having a bit of an impact and yeah, just really cool stuff. Now, oh, brilliant. Maybe they need to apply to Harvard, Stanford and Wharton too. Yeah. I wonder, you know, what, yeah, that, <laughs> whether there should be a round two strategy there. Yeah. Um, and then we got a review, another review for the podcast, which was great. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because it was a rather lengthy review, but um, the title of the review was my favorite podcast and your best resource for B-School admissions. And they just wrote that they've been listening for a year and a half now, and they became a devoted clear admit fan while studying for the GMAT during COVID. Um, and they're not actually going to be applying to business school for a couple more years. So this person's really kind of getting ahead of the game. And they just mentioned Graham and Alex's wiretaps are my favorites. I love how they approach and analyze B-School admissions from a case study method and make every episode feel like a fun and lighthearted weekly conversation that I look forward to every Monday. So um, anyway, so it goes on from there, but they thank us and really nice um, review that we got over on Apple Podcasts from a um, user named Aaron. So very cool to see the reviews come in. And yeah, just that, that's all I needed for my Christmas this year. <laughs> all, all, all I can say is, assuming this person is listening, if you're still listening at the point of your application, which it sounds like is going to be another couple of years time, then, then, then make sure you let us know because you will be the longest listener in the history of wiretaps by far. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and the most patient person on the planet yes. for, <laughs> for sticking with us. Um, but yeah, no, very cool stuff. And um, But let's dive in, Alex, because I know that our listeners really like to hear us break down all these candidacies and offer up advice. So I know, and you've picked out a few, uh, we've got a couple of ply, ply wire entries this week and one decision wire entry. So um, without further ado, shall we move on? Let's kick on. All right, so this is uh, <laughs> Wiretaps candidate number one. So this is an apply wire entry and the person hopes to start business school in the fall of 22. They're actually, I believe, in the midst of applying right now. Um, they have four schools on the target list and those schools are Duke, Kellogg, Wharton, and USC. 
Um, this person's from the military. They actually um, worked in special ops uh, as an army officer, uh, and they're hoping to transition into tech. Um, and I believe that even while they were in the military, they were pretty focused on information warfare and emerging technology. So it's not a complete random leap that they want to make into tech. The companies that they're targeting are Apple, Google, IBM, Microsoft, and Palantir. Um, so a lot of the usual suspects, uh, GRE score is a 323, GPA 3.55, and they have seven and a half years of work experience, so a little bit older than the average uh, candidate. They're located in North Carolina, and they state that they want to land in California after business school. Um, they mentioned that they have to look at schools that are in a large metro area because their spouse has an IT career and, you know, obviously wants to keep working for big companies. So um, that's the plan. They're not sure about whether they want to do marketing for a large West Coast-based tech company um, or maybe CPG-type work. So that's, that's the candidacy. What do you think their chances are at these four schools? And, you know, any, any thoughts on how they should go about this as they put together those applications? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a really interesting candidate because when I read, and this is from their notes, transitioning special operations army officer focused on information warfare and emerging technology, I'm thinking, well, this has got to be top-of-the-line experience, um, you know, whenever I see, you know, I assume someone in special ops is top of the line out of out of military, and it sounds like they're doing some really super interesting um, work. Yeah, that's obviously very sort of cutting edge in terms of, yeah, I mean, this stuff is really important stuff that they're doing. Um, so, so from from that perspective, I'm thinking, well, this is going to be a really highbrow candidate. The the three five five GPA is right in sort of you know it's it's close to the median and, and whatever that's that's very good. Let's assume that they have a good um, undergraduate record, probably maybe from a, a place that doesn't isn't loaded with grade inflation and stuff. Um, the slight wrinkle is going to be the GRE, which is three twenty three. As we know, Graham, that's a little bit below the median for GREs, and even. Um, even though it's only a little bit below the medium for GREs at the top school, it's certainly below the the comparable what what would be the, the comparable GMAT score. So that's in my mind, that's clearly the outlier here in terms of their overall candidacy. If that GRE score was comparable to the rest of the candidacy, I would be like, wow, Harvard, Stanford, Wharton written all over this this type of candidate. Um, Presumably, um, but whether the GRE score sort of knocks them back a, a peg or two, I'm not really sure. Um, but I would certainly, if I'm this candidate, be targeting the top schools, and they've got Kellogg and Wharton in the mix. Um, but but you know, I I you know I might sort of take a flyer at Stanford. I don't know, but certainly you know. At the end of the day, Graham, I do actually think this is a very strong candidate. And I think Wharton Kellogg is certainly um, a, a really good um, sort of prospect in terms of target here. Just a little queasy about the GRE. Yeah, I'm going to just echo those sentiments. I mean, I, I think that's the main issue here is like, you're right. If this person had a 327 on the GRE, we might be saying, hey, you know, what, what about Stanford? You know, and I, I think the other thing is that they have this West Coast strategy. Like they say they want to work in California when they're done with business school, 
But when you look at their list of target schools, only USC, which you know arguably might be at the you know sort of tail end of the rankings in terms of their target schools, that's the only California school on their list. And so I I understand why Kellogg and Wharton on the list because they're really strong at marketing. Um, Duke's on their list. This person's currently in North Carolina, so maybe there's some affinity there and and you know decent tech placement and stuff. So I, I understand the list, but I also just couldn't help but think like where's like UCLA or Berkeley if they really want to land in California. Um, you know, then, you know, often as we talked about earlier, like geography dictates a lot more of this than people know. And so I would want them to think through that. The other thing I was sort of thinking about is, you know, gosh, a lot of these CPG jobs or even some marketing jobs for tech aren't always in the Valley. Um, you know, some of this stuff is run out of New York or the Midwest um, when it comes to CPG stuff. So I, I just wonder if there, are, if there's any flexibility in where they want to go, because obviously if there isn't, then I think, yeah, clearly taking the tech route is better than the CPG route. Um, and they could really hone in on a, you know, California or bust kind of strategy. Um, I recognize they don't have a lot of time, right? Cause we're really coming up on these round two deadlines, but yeah, I would just encourage them to think through these things. And again, I'm hoping that the essays and the stories they have to tell from those seven plus years of work experience in the military are going to be absolutely fantastic. And so I agree with you that this candidate could really rise to the top because it's not like their numbers put them out of the running. You know, I mean, the 323 is fine. It's not, you know, it, it's not, um, it's a little below average, but it's not going to, you know, torpedo their chances or something. So I think they could, you know, they could get great results and it's just going to come down to how much time they have to put, put into these apps and how many schools they can get in. Um, but again, I, I wish them the best of luck. I, yeah, this is a tough one just be, because really it's just that, that one, you know, data point that sort of sticks out. Torpedo their chances. I like that, Graham. Well, I was trying to use the military, you know. Like, I know. <laughs> I was quite impressed myself, actually. No, no. But um, <laughs> I'll ask you a quick question. Does 323 eliminate them from Stanford? No, and I know that if Kirsten Moss is listening, she would, you know, smack me upside the head for suggesting that, you know, someone should use their test score to, to drive their decision whether to apply because they get sick of that um, at Stanford because, it, you know, it's a competitive program. They do have high average scores, but, you know, her point is always, look, you know, we take a really broad range of individuals and we want everyone to at least consider our program. So I, I think um, I would not rule it out. I think, yeah, the, you know, the, he might, he or she might really you know, wonder someday if they, like, if they run the table and don't ever apply to Stanford, then they might be left scratching their head. So, you know, that is a good point. Yeah. And again, I just, yeah, if they have a lot of interesting experiences that they can share in their essays, then this could be gold. Yeah. You know, it could be really interesting. To me, it all boils down to their experience in the military. Yeah. If it's as highbrow as I would perceive after just reading one sentence, so obviously that's not not much to go on. But if it is highbrow, then <laughs> they they probably should be targeting the very top programs with maybe one or two behind them just to sort of make sure that they cover themselves. Yeah. And, and again, we don't, the only other thing we don't know much about is extracurriculars, although, you know, military candidates is sort of a different deal for ACs. So yeah. um, in any event, they, they've contacted all the veterans clubs at these schools and that's, they're, they're doing all the things they're supposed to be doing. And they did mention that they'd worked to get that GRE up from a 311. So they've put in the work. It's not like someone's going to look at that 323 and say, oh, they only took it once or, you know, so they have, they've taken it before. So um, yeah, again, I want to thank this candidate for posting and for their service um, and obviously wish them the best of luck. Uh, I, I do feel like having a UCLA or a Stanford in the mix would be smart um, if they're really trying to land in California. So I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Anything else on this one, Alex? No, let's move on. All right. So this is Wiretap's candidate number two. 
So this is another apply wire entry that you've picked out and this person is also looking to start school next fall. They've been working, um, they've had kind of two jobs before business school. First, they worked in government for several years, I guess about three. And then um, since they've left their role in government, they've become a, a novelist. They're a published author, have written five books. Uh, they are looking at schools, let's see, the list is Berkeley, Columbia, Tuck, Duke, MIT, Kellogg, and Yale. And the GMAT score is a 770, GPA 3.5, um, this candidate not only has an undergraduate degree in finance and economics, but they also have a master's degree in the same discipline. Uh, we don't know what the grades were in the master's, but I believe they were strong. Uh, this candidate, you know, again mentioned they work for the government um, in China, and I believe they're a Chinese national, and that they've, you know, since left that role and have published five novels. So um, that's kind of the baseline here. I'll let you speak to their goals because they just list them as undecided, but then they had some conversation with you and I on the website about those goals. But I'll let you kind of get into that and just sort of walk us through what your take is on this candidacy. Yeah, really interesting because here, here you've got a candidate. They've got a 770 GMAT and probably good academic record, right? So they're smart. Yeah. Um, they, they worked um, for the government for three years in, in sort of finance and what, whatever it was they did for them. And I'm guessing they did well. Um, they then decided to write five books. Right? <laughs> I mean, right. this is not trivial. Now, they say they've, that have been published. So, I mean, I, I wrote a couple of books, but I had to publish them myself. <laughs> and that's very different. If, if you've got five books that someone else has actually published... I think that that's a notch above, right? Mm -hmm. So they're, they're a serial author, novelist, whatever they want to call it. Every, every, everything looks like whatever they do, they do it very well. It looks really good, right? Mm -hmm. So on the surface, you would think, well, this, this is probably a really strong candidate. Um, and, 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 you know, you know, the world is their oyster. Whatever they turn to, they seem to do very well. So top school will admit them and then they'll go on and do very well. But the problem that I have with this candidacy is, you know, and we talked about this before, Graham, the ingredients are outstanding, but the recipe just doesn't seem to be there. Um, or, or I think that's how you couched it. You can correct me um, in a minute because <laughs> I'm not really a very good cook. Um, but, but the point is, I love a lot of a lot about this candidacy, but I don't really love the way it's been articulated and and the sort of pathway, the why now, why MBA, what they plan to get out of it, how it how it relates to their goals going forward, and and so on and so forth. That I found that to be very surface level, and that at the top schools is going to backfire um, a, a little bit, I think. Yeah. And I'll, just to give our listeners a sense of this, like they wrote, I hope that the MBA degree can enable me to get into private funds that focus on culture, industrial investment in the future. And then they also stated later, I hope I can start my own business about copyright brokerage in the future. Um, and, and so I don't, I'm having trouble really piecing together what it is that they want to do. And I think, you know, one of the things that we're at a loss for is we don't know what these books that they've written were about. I mean, maybe they're fiction and, and have nothing to do with business, in which case that, that would be fine. Um, that would just be sort of a feather in their cap as having this sort of, um, you know, whatever it is, right brain versus left brain type skills because they're an author, but they're also a finance and econ um, master's degree graduate. So they, you know, they kind of do it all sort of thing, right? But I need a set of concrete plans and I need a, a, a rationale for those plans. So, you know, because for example, they mentioned that 
while they were working for the government, um, they were doing, you know, kind of, um, uh, I guess they were an analyst for a financial regulatory department. Okay. So again, that's sort of interesting, um, typical sort of maybe pre-MBA experience, but it's for a government. So kind of, you know, that, that all adds up. Right. But then I'm like, well, okay, they leave that to go write books, but why are they pivoting back to get the MBA? How does it all fit together? And, you know, so for example, maybe they're really interested in, um, in the arts and entertainment, which they kind of hint at, um, with this cultural investment stuff, but it's just unclear to me. So I would love to know, like, are they trying to combine their finance savvy, um, and interest in the arts, like publishing, um, to, I don't know, invest in, in startups, or I, I don't know what they want to do, but they need to weave together a story. And, you know, presumably they must have a point of view on China as well. I mean, they've lived and, and, and worked in China for the government. So they must have a point of view on like, what, what's going to, you know, what, what are the directions that China's going in with respect to maybe media and entertainment, or maybe all these opportunities there that they could point to. Right. So I I don't know. I just, I wanted there to be a story when it comes to the goals and I wasn't feeling that aspect of it, but like you said, the numbers are terrific. And so all, if they can weave that together and get it all in (laughs) for round two over the next couple of weeks, then they should be okay. Um, but for now there's some work to be done. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I just add a couple of things. The numbers is terrific. The fact that you can write not five novels is terrific. I mean, writing a novel is a completely different skill set to writing a, 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 a non-fiction um, piece of work. Um, but, but what's missing here is why did you leave the government work and decide to write five novels, yeah. right? So it's not just about forward-looking, make sure there's a plan there and, and the, it's cogent and it all makes sense. But also, you need to explain the pathway that you've already undertaken because it is unorthodox. And the key with um, unorthodox candidacies is, on the one hand, it can be very beneficial because you stand out and you can add to the class conversation because you've had a different set of experiences. But the counter to that is you've got to fit in. So making sure that you also show fit. Um, So... I guess the, 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 the summary here, Graham, is this candidate's really got a lot of work to do um, in order to be successful at the very top schools. But the ingredients, I believe, are there for that to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good summary. And I think, um, again, they have some time. They've got a couple of weeks to sort of, you know, make sure they frame the goals correctly and, and think this through. And I'm sure that if they were on the air with us, they would have a lot of responses to these types of questions we have. And so they just need to work that out. And, and I don't, you know, I never expect everyone to post um, their entire plan on our website. Like obviously, you know, the, there's only so much you can put into an apply wire entry, but I just want to encourage them to work on the storyline and make sure that it's compelling. And, and yeah, to know that they're going to stand out. There's no issue there. What they need to work to do a little bit is fit in. Yeah. Um, so, um, we'll go from there, but yeah, thanks to that person for sharing their profile and, and obviously for being a member of our community. Um, Alex, let's move on and, and talk about the next candidate. Um, this is wiretaps candidate number three. So this is a decision wire entry that you've selected, and this person is undecided. Um, they applied to a handful of schools, which include uh, HEC Paris, Penn State, Toronto Rotman, and uh, SDA Bocconi in Milan, Italy. Um, they were admitted to HEC Paris, to Rotman, where they actually also received a scholarship for about 15,000 Canadian dollars. And they were also accepted to um, SDA Bocconi. 
they have been working, or well, sorry, they they're doing a career shift. They want to work in consumer goods and specifically, ideally, in luxury um, brands. So they've got target companies like um, LVMH um, or Estee Lauder uh, on their list, and you know the, the, there are a lot of big um, kind of luxury brand companies out there that people target when they're interested in that domain. The GMAT score was a 680, GPA 2.9. They're located in the U.S., um, in the D.C. area, and this is the pivot. They've currently been working in cyber consulting, but they want to make a huge career change and switch to move to responsible sourcing, uh, I think the ethics of like the supply chain, for a luxury beauty brand. Uh, and they're asking for our advice about like what to do, um, and I know you probed a little bit about like what their goals are and where they want to be, and you know you kind of even asked them, Like, why are you not focusing on U.S. schools? What's what's the plan here? Are you a U.S. citizen, etc.? Um, so I'll let you walk us through what this candidate said to you, and and what you think you know would be some of the initial pieces of advice to give this person. Yeah, I mean, this is a very different decision wire entry than we're used to seeing. It's a U.S. citizen who is seeking to get an MBA out side of the US. Um, so that in of itself is quite unusual, um, quite honestly. That Back to that um, issue, I can't go to the pub right now. <laughs> um, so, and, and what, what sort of compel, sort of adds to this is they're all also switching industries. So they're going from cyber, cyber consulting. Um, so, so, you know, I don't know, I don't really know what cyber consulting is because I, I was assuming it's cyber security consulting, but I don't know anyway. I, yeah, I, that's what I assumed, yeah. Yeah, cyber consulting to, to luxury goods, looking at the supply chain and the ethics of the supply chain, which, as we know, um, ethics of supply chain is, is a huge issue right now um, with, with, you know, things like, you know, global warming, climate change and various other sustainable stuff. Right. So, so kudos for this this goal. It is really super important. Um, so, so yeah, I, maybe I should say Paris or Bocconi is a better option than some of the U.S. schools. Um, that that might well be the case. And I know Graham, you're more familiar with I should say Paris and 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 think that that actually is a really good option for for this candidate. The question becomes though is if they want to return to the U.S. Um, post their MBA, um, how easy are they going to be able to transition back to the US um, with the type of career and job that they're going to be looking for versus if they got an MBA in the States um, and and th through that was able to transition into, you know, again, luxury goods um, um, and supply chain consulting or whatever it might be. So that, that's the question. Now, they're not asking that question because they've already decided where they've applied, where they've got admitted, and they're now weighing where to attend amongst these schools. But I guess my additional um, query might be, would it be worth adding an, a, a, an application in round two to one or two schools just to keep that U.S. school option open, whether it's Ross or something like that? But anyway, over to you, Graham. 
Yeah, this is a tricky one. I mean, I'm happy you picked it because we don't get to talk about these very often. And I know that there's probably a, a subset of people listening who are interested in this sort of, you know, sustainable sourcing, but also in luxury goods. And and so, you know, and, and I think the other thing that happens here is you have certain MBA programs that are actually quite good in this domain. Um, so for example, you know, LVMH does recruit at some of the US schools, but they're very picky about where they go. I think HBS is one, Wharton's another, there may be, a, you know, one or two others that they, they kind of take a close look at. Um, but yeah, HEC Paris is an excellent choice here. I mean, this person got into HEC. It's a well-ranked European MBA program. They happen to have um, a really noted professor at the school who came from LVMH. So there's a deep, there are deep ties between HEC and a lot of the big luxury goods um, companies. Bocconi also not a bad option being in Milan, kind of fashion hub of, of Europe. So there's some good opportunities here. I though, like you, get a little nervous about this return to the US. And I also think about how easy or hard might it be for someone to stay in Europe after getting one of these MBAs, because I'm less familiar with the employment schemes that they have um, in the EU versus say the UK. So for example, I know that if you go to London Business School, you can stay and work in the UK for three years, um, even if you're a US citizen, that just sort of comes with having done an MBA from a prestigious uh, institution in that country. I'm less clear that the rules are the same for France or Italy. And so I would encourage this person to do their homework there and find out how long are they likely to even be able to stay if they're able to stay at all, right? Because a lot of these um, countries, you know, like the US at times can be sort of strict on what they do for internationals. So that's something to look into. The other thing I couldn't help but think is, wow, if they really want to come back to the US at some point, like you were saying, shouldn't they have a US school on the list or should they have schools on their list that have big US networks? And unfortunately, you know, when you look at that, then you get back to like, you know, maybe HEC and Bocconi are not the ones in Europe that have the biggest US networks. Obviously, you know, London Business School and INSEAD have larger US networks, um, so far as I understand it. So I would encourage them to do some digging, like you said, I think you posted on the website in your comments with them that they should check, you know, check out the alumni network for these target schools. And again, it may very well be that the best thing for this person to do is matriculate at HEC Paris, but like you're suggesting, it could be smart to maybe consider something in round two, um, maybe stateside, maybe New York, or I, I actually, um, I'm sure the candidate has done some homework and, and looked into this, but you know, NYU Stern has a one-year fashion MBA, which could be the perfect you know, sort of thing to help someone really make a, a heavy career transition. Um, I, I would look into that. And I looked at, you know, the, the stats, cause this candidate stats 6829 are below average for top MBA programs in the States. Um, but you know, when I looked at the stats for the one year fashion MBA at Stern, um, those figures were a little bit more in line. So I, I think that, you know, they might be worth looking into now, again, this candidate might say, oh, I really want a two year experience. And, but you know, HEC isn't a full two years either. And, and so you know, just something to think about because that could be a nice landing place for this candidate. But yeah, this is tricky, Alex, because there are a lot of factors in terms of where they want to be short term versus long and, and citizenship and working papers and, and it's very niche kind of industry too. Yeah, I mean, lots of factors to 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 address and and the fair play that maybe they've already done all this research and it is as you say paris is is the right fit for them and if that's the case i mean obviously we wish them the best of luck and as you say paris a great opportunity especially in the industry in which they're um, interested in as you um articulated what we're just trying to do is just 
cover all the bases, not particularly only for this particular candidate, but for, but for others that are sort of, as you say, toying with some of the same ideas. I mean, what what is the value of getting an MBA outside of the geography that you're currently in for a two-year experience to then come back to your geography? Can you do that? And so on and so forth. So recognizing the opportunities for that, having very different life experiences and so on and so forth, that's absolutely fantastic too. But what are the, some of the consequences of doing that? If you know you're returning to your geography, then how is that network going to be um, for you in terms of being able to recruit back to your geography and, and so on and so forth? So yeah, really interesting um, decision for, for this candidate to make. Yeah. And I want to ask you one more question before we wrap up. And that is, you know, we mentioned that this person got into, you know, Bocconi and HEC, and we've talked about both of those programs as being, you know, good for, for fashion and things and, and luxury goods. Um, you know, Rotman was also a school that admitted them in Toronto and gave them like 15 grand. My view was that that didn't, that the money wasn't going to sway. It's not enough money to sway things. And also I wasn't really associating that program much with this domain. And, but I don't know what you think about that. Like, should they be doing a deep dive into Rotman? Does that money make a big difference? That kind of thing. I think it's definitely the least risky of the, of the choices to, to, to make, um, given the slight discount, the, the scholarship and so on and so forth. But um, in terms of risk reward, I think they're definitely limiting their chances a little bit further um, in terms of Rotman versus Ashesay Paris or, or whatever. I mean, if they want to get into a deep dive into this sort of luxury goods and supply chain, I, I would agree with you in terms of going, you know, the, the, the two European schools they have in the bag seem to be um, more aligned. Yeah, I mean, no one has ever called me out as being a you know fashion template or anything, but I I don't think Toronto is a huge hub for that stuff. Like I think of you know Paris and Milan as being better places for yeah, for that. Yeah. But in any event, so best of luck to this candidate. So thrilled that they shared their journey with us on Decision Wire. We encourage all of you listening when you get your decisions to post to Decision Wire. We might profile you on the show, um, but at minimum you'll get some feedback from Alex or me or you know any of the folks on the ClearAdmit team and, and other members of the community who've been chiming in too. So yeah. lots of fun. Um, Alex, thanks so much for picking these out. Um, I guess you know we will uh, you know we'll be back in a week's time. We're not going to take a break for the holidays. So I did want to, though, tell everyone that's listening that I hope they have a safe and healthy, uh, you know, celebration for the end of the year here. And uh, yeah, we'll be back in a week. And thanks again, Alex. Yeah, brilliant. Stay safe, everyone. Happy New Year. Take care. And we'll see you very soon.